Hello, everybody. Here I'm there to talk about Anchor. It's one of the best podcast uh, platforms that you can you can uh, go on. You can put all your podcasts on Apple, Google, any place. Any place to put up your podcast, you could all do it in one place. Anchor has all the tools to allow you to record and edit your podcast right from the phone or computer. And you can distribute any of your, your podcasts on any platform like Apple, Spotify, Anchor, you know, Anchor, Stitcher, iHeart, everything. It's everything you need you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. And let me tell you, I have had great experience with Anchor. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started today. That is Anchor FM to get started today. Welcome back to the Wit Cindy and Joe show, and welcome back to the perfect captain, the perfect defenseman, the perfect human, Nick Lindstrom. That is a huge, huge. I, I can't honestly say that it's a it's a huge uh, it's huge for Nick Lindstrom to come back into the Red Wings organization as the uh, vice president of hockey operations. The band's getting back together, Joe. That's what I'm excited for. I'll tell you what. Now, you know what they're missing? You know what they're missing? Now, I, I am absolutely over the moon, like many of you out there, about Nick Lindstrom coming back into the fold of the Detroit Red Wings. We got Stevie Y. We got Nick Lindstrom. You know, you've got, I think even, uh, I think Pav is somewhere in there as well. You got Chris Draper. Is it starting to sound familiar, folks? Is it starting to sound familiar? Because I'm loving the way it's sounding myself. Now, who else? Darren McCarty. Darren has has been back with the Red Wings in some capacity for a while, but not in their business office. But, you know, Darren's not a business kind of guy. He's a showman, and uh, you can see him now between every period and uh, doing commentary on the Wings and on play-by-play. And so, again, is this is this sounding a little familiar to you? It's sounding like a championship team to me. Well, here's what here's what the Nick Lidstrom thing really does. You know, last week we told you that there was a certain prospect in Sweden that that there's scouts that compare him to Nick Lidstrom, and he's gonna he's gonna spend a majority of the time in, in Sweden overlooking the prospects that are in Sweden because we got a lot of them in Sweden. We got a lot of rubbing his prospects in Sweden, so. That's all we got are red and white or red and blue flag or excuse me, white and blue flags. If you look deep blue into the yellow. prospect, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah yellow and blue. It's blue. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, I block out anything yellow and blue, me, you know, because I'm a Spartan. I block right. out blue and yellow. Go ahead. Sweden. <laughs> we have got some of our best players from Raymond, Cider. You know, obviously we got the American Dylan. We got the Canadian and Bertuzzi. But listen, the Swedish Elite Hockey League is very, very. It's, a, it's probably is. It's probably second to none with the NHL, with the, how competitive it is and how those players that come over there, they can come in right away and play in the NHL because they were so um, challenged in the Swedish Elite Hockey League. It's it's the it's the hardest league to play in next to the National Hockey League. Well, you know, and a lot of those guys when they go over there too. Um, they're playing on Olympic size ice. The ice uh, size is yeah. different over there, and so there's a little bit of an adjustment to make when you come back to play in the NHL. But um, outside of that, you're absolutely right. It's it's um, and in some ways the rules over there, I think, better prepare um, prospects, rookies 
uh, to come back here. Um, and that's why it's gonna have, it's good to have Lichstrom over there because yeah, he knows what it's like coming from the sweet, you know, the, you know Sweden, and coming to play for the you know an American franchise and playing in on the American ice and the challenges that come along with it and uh, what you what you need to look for in, in a defenseman and, or you know any skater you know, to win championships. Well, I can't think of anybody who'd be more of a foremost authority on defenseman than Nick Lindstrom. And I got a funny Nick Lindstrom story. Here's another you opportunity. Said, you just said Lindstrom. Lindstrom. It's, it's Lindstrom. I know it's Lindstrom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but this will be a funny story because it's a Nick Lidstrom. I have to make sure I enunciate so Joe doesn't think I'm using an N, Lidstrom. Um, I got a funny story for you. This is another opportunity to point out how much, how green Cindy was and how much progress I have made in my hockey education. So as you know, uh, and many of you know who listen, that uh, I am writing a hockey novel that uh, is going to be fantastic, by the way. You're all going to love it and uh, look forward here in the next, can't tell you when, but in the future. And um, so I'm researching uh, this novel and I didn't know anything about hockey, right? Uh, not uh, not a thing. And so I brought on a good, you know, the a very knowledgeable individual who's a former NHL player, four-time Stanley Cup champion, the whole nine yards, and now you know he's become a good friend of mine and friend of the show, Darren McCarty. So I hired uh, or had Darren come on. Darren chose to come on as a collaborator on the project, and I, he was fantastic. And one of the things he said is he said, okay, he said, Cindy, you know, we were talking about a particular character development, uh, development storyline, and uh, he says, you know who we should talk to? We're, we're, we're going to call... We're going to call Nick. And I said, that's great. And I'm writing notes and I'm taking notes. I said, great, Nick. Okay. And I said, um, Nick, Nick who? And uh, he said, oh, he's great, Cindy. He's, he's fantastic, a tremendous guy. He's a great guy. And he's probably one of the best defensemen ever. I said, really? I said, what's his name? <laughs> oh, God. Now, I should have known better. And I, he said, Nick Lidstrom. And I'm writing it down, Nick Lid. I said, how, how do you spell that? Oh, <laughs> oh, God. And he said, and God bless Darren. He was so patient. Baby, baby Cindy at hockey. Yeah. Baby say, yeah, yeah. This is when I had my baby wings. Yep. And, and, and I said, and God bless Darren and his patience with me to explain to me. And he spelled Nick Lidstrom's name. So that's how I know there's no N. Yep. And um, a lot of people miss. You know, they miss it they they do. You're yeah. right. They do. And so, um, but here I was writing it down, and, and Darren, it just, it, it was just a funny story. The fact that I had really no idea who Nick Lidstrom was, and now I have so much respect for that talent. And I am just, and just also as just as a person, just a phenomenal guy. When Darren calls him the perfect human, I I get it, and I I can I concur. I mean, as far as um, just an all around. Uh, well-rounded, tremendous guy, and uh, so pleased to have him back. You're right. If anybody can spot talent, it's Nick. Um, I don't know if he's going to, uh, to what extent he's going to be assisting as vice president of hockey operations. I suppose he probably has the same perspective Darren has, and that is, what is the answer to everything? When you want to know how to do something or if you should do something and when you're going to do something, whatever Stevie says. <laughs> I, I thought it was interesting because Stevie was talking on, on nice on one ticket to, uh, yesterday. And he was saying, you know, he wanted I, he wanted Lichstrom to come because he's got a great hockey mind and he's composed. And, you know, he, 
there's a lot of similarities between Nick Lister and Steve Eisman. And both of them perfect gentlemen, by the way. Yeah, yeah. They're consummate professionals and absolute gentlemen. And they oh. and they really do a great job of doing what they do, you know. And I got to thinking. I got mm-hmm. to thinking. Oh God. Wait. Hold the phone. I know, All right. Jo- I know. Joe's thinking. Joe's Listen, thinking. I got to thinking. <laughs> there is no better person for Dylan Larkin to learn off of than Nick Lidstrom and Stevie Watt. And I'm pretty sure he's got the phone number to Henrik Zetterberg, too. I bet so. You, you talk about a you talk about like because you know a lot of times when you're your place as a captain, it's very very hard trying to learn the things that you need to be doing, the things that you need to be saying, all that stuff to the team. Going to CVY, going to Nick Lidstrom and asking them their opinion on what they do. That's a yeah. very very good uh, thing to have happen on your on your your team. You know, that's the one thing that, the, you know, Carolina, the players in Carolina, they say, like, the reason that they respect Rod Brendamore so much is, number one, he could probably beat the shit out of every player on that team. <laughs> I mean, they call him Rod the Bod for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But he was a great captain, and he was a, a captain who led a team to a Stanley Cup championship in the Carolina Hurricanes. You know, when you're a Stanley Cup champion, there's certain expectations that come along with, you being the captain, and when you're the captain like Dylan Larkin, you're in your infancy stage where you're a rebuilding team, you're just getting going, you know, CB was went through that. Dylan's like a baby C. Yeah. Like I like I had my baby wings, my I was a baby wing when I didn't understand anything. I'm not saying Dylan doesn't understand anything about being a captain, but he's definitely in a learning phase. He's got his, his baby C wings. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think I think this is good for him. I think that, you know, the one thing that Dylan Larkin has really exhibited this whole year is his ability to be the leader that this this team needs, especially with how young they are. And he's really taken the role over tremendously. You know, and the reason, one of the reasons why, uh, probably the most important reason why Dylan Larkin has been able to do that, in my estimation, is... And the most impressive thing to me about Dylan Larkin uh, in a transition even from uh, the last season to this season is I think Dylan has demonstrated the ability to be teachable. Yeah. He's been teachable. You know, one of the things we were talking pre-show uh, about some things in the political realm, which you know is, is my area of expertise, and I said well, one of the most frustrating things is, is people, people who, aren't who aren't teachable, yeah. who refuse to be teachable, and they think they know everything. They are. They come in as rookies. They or or even maybe they've been around a few years, and they, they don't have re- as much experience as like a person like you in that room, right? Or right, like you know, Dylan right. Larkin. He comes or even to- or even more so than me. People, other people who have even more experience yeah. than I do, and they just refuse to be teachable, and that's very frustrating. See, that, that's a, that's a that's a part of life and sports that people really don't get. It's like you have to be teachable. You have to be teachable in the way that you approach things because you don't know it all. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm 27. There's things that I do not know, and there's things that I do know, and there's things that I kind of learn as I go. Well, I'm cons- but, but, as you point out, Joe, I'm considerably older than you, yes. and I am still learning, and I recognize that I don't know everything either. So yeah, but it's it, you know it's it's, it's kind of like that Scotty Bowman quote that if you don't learn something every day, you're failing as a per- as a player, as a person. You're not getting better for sure. Like, you got to be, that thing that he told, you know, when Stevie Y 
was almost traded because Scotty Bowman wasn't happy with him. That was what he told Stevie Y. If you can't be teachable, I can't help you. Yep. There's there's nothing I could do. So Dylan's Dylan Larkin's willingness to be teachable, I think, is really what's going to uh, been the catalyst to move him to that next level. Yeah. And I think he's so long as he remains that way and yeah. has that perspective, he will continue to realize his full potential. And I don't think he's there yet. I think there is more potential mm-hmm. for Dylan Larkin, and I think he's going to realize that as captain, so long as he remains teachable. You know, I had a teachable moment today too, and and I think those all of us Red Wing fans out there, you'll all appreciate this. So I was in a meeting today and I was privileged enough to be in this fabulous room. Um, There are a couple of former um, hockey players that are part of this organization I was with today. And I'm in this glass room and along the edges of this glass room with all the etchings of the, um, all of the great hockey teams, uh, their logos were all around and etched in this room. And inside of the room, there were all of these framed jerseys, all Red Wings, yeah. uh, which were fabulous. And then there were a couple of other, you know, um, I would say personalized ones or whatever. But one of the jerseys that caught my attention, and I kept looking at it while I'm trying to, to stay focused on the meeting, but I found out something about this jersey. It had all of these signatures on it, like a ton of them. There are like 25 signatures yeah. on this jersey. And, uh, of course, after the meeting ended, I got the chance to take a closer look at it because the host of the meeting said to me, owner of the company, said, um, let me show you this. He goes, are you, are you a hockey fan? Because we weren't talking hockey. We were talking something else. And, and I said, and the, another gentleman who was with us who knows me well said, oh, is she ever? <laughs> you know, do you know who you're talking to? And uh, this is the Motor City Ice Queen you're talking to, you know? Yeah. And uh, so, of course, she's, you know, the de facto biggest, you know, uh, female fan of the Red Wings, right? And she has this podcast and so forth. And uh, we went over and, and he was explaining to me that there are only three jerseys like that in the entire world that had that collection of signatures. Mm-hmm. And it had, it had the, I believe all the signatures were acquired right after the 1997 um, Stanley Cup, yeah. and they got them all at the same time. And I'm telling you what, you look at that at that. I'm almost sure. And he said he walked into the place and he was able to buy that jersey. Someone said he said how much for that jersey? That and they said seven hundred dollars. He said I couldn't get the seven hundred dollars out of my pocket fast enough. Right. He said and that was at a time I really necessarily didn't have it. He said but I knew how significant that group of players were and now that jersey one of only three in the entire world is worth about twenty five thousand dollars that's crazy isn't that amazing so um there is that collection out there and i think there were a couple of other signatures on there one of the most interesting ones on there that caught my attention he pointed it out to me too was a vladimir konstantinov probably the one of the last signatures in a team environment that he had done and um that's, you a know, big, that's a big one. It was huge. Yeah, not a whole lot, whole lot of people have it. Of course, you know, Darren McCarty's on there, Steve Eiserman, uh, Draper. I mean, all those awesome, you know, that, that whole awesome team. And uh, so, but I had no idea that, that that collection of signatures, I would have thought there would have been a bunch, but no, uh, only three in the entire world. So, and one of them is uh, right nearby me, and I had the privilege of being in that room with it today. So, 
you know, that's another story Deco, for that you only hear on the Cindy and Joe show. That goes to my point though about Larkin. It, about, it about does. Larkin about that's why I brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the thing about the thing about being named the captain. Yep. Of the Detroit Ravens, there's a certain kind of there's a it's it's a niche. It's a you know you know there's limited positions. There's been 37 captains in the whole of Detroit Ravens history. That's going almost 100 years. We're like I think we're 96 away from 100 years. Yeah. And you've had 37 captains. Pretty good. That means that there's been some sizable captain gaps. You know what I'm saying? Where you you've had a captain for a long time. And when you're Dylan Larkin, you gotta look at the, all those guys and you gotta look at them and go, "Damn, I really had a lot to live up to." You know? It's like if you go to the Yankees and you go. You look in the center field and you see all those names on the wall and you're like, it's really a privilege to wear that jersey. Like, it's not taken for granted. And, you know, what's one of the things that I love about the Rebbings organization is, you know, during the preseason, they have a different jersey for their preseason roster, right? Yeah. And the reason they have that is because they don't believe you should wear the real Rebbings jersey until it's actually given to you. Like, you shouldn't just go to the preseason and get that Ravens jersey. You have to earn it in the season. And that's something that a lot of teams really just don't really do. Yeah, and I think that I love that. That's one of the things that shows that this organization recognizes the history, the Mm -hmm. legacy, and that has to be respected. And, you know, one of the other things that they do, uh, which I found fascinating, is that, uh, and it was an equipment manager who told me, this former equipment manager for the Wings, is that they will turn the jerseys um, with the player if they when they first walk in all the jerseys beginning of the season are showing the winged wheel yeah if they lose that jersey the next time they come in to the locker room that jersey is turned the other way because until they have earned another win they will not turn that winged wheel back around you're looking at the back of the jersey until you earn it to turn it around to see that's, the front of the jersey. That's, that's, a, that's a smart thing. And that, Psychological, absolutely. And you look at this current Rebbings team where, you know, we're talking about this current Rebbings team, they got to some deficiencies right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that just don't really understand what really is going on, you know? I see a lot of the chatter about, you know, it's all Blashill's fault or it's all defenseman's fault. They want to blame certain players, but, you know, the reality of the situation is I think people just need to realize that you're not far off from being a contender, but you're not there yet. And when you give Verona back, that could be a very, very big, big addition to the team mid-year because you'll finally have a second line that can actually, you know, score and get some points and all that. And that's that's a scoring opportunity. And then you're putting someone on third line who could score too. And you're kind of making the team even Right now, we have we we have not seen this Ravens team fully healthy for a majority of the season. Yeah, and I think that's reflected in the in the standings. You know, I they were holding on with by the skin of their teeth f- for that last wild card spot. Now they're out by you know they're five points behind Boston. Um, they've got an opportunity coming up here though to you know they're playing Winnipeg uh, tonight. They're going to be they've got. 
you know, three games in the next five days here, they can turn this around. Um, and they can pick up some points very with the roster, or excuse me, with the uh, schedule that they have here in the next five days. They're at home. Um, but let's hope they can pick up some points. That Five points is not a lot. Uh, I don't know what Boston's schedule looks like. I haven't looked at it. But um, I believe that, again, it's a momentum shift. It's an energy shift. Coming back home, just the action of coming back, being on home ice, hopefully that will help to jumpstart uh, a change because they had a brutal, brutal uh, trip out to the West Coast. I can't say I'm terribly surprised given all the elements there, but um, we were talking about, you know, what's the one thing that the Wings are missing? There's so much going right for them. Uh, I love what Steve is doing. I love the culture that's, that is being restored and reinvigorated there. The one thing that they're missing, and I think you were talking about it, Joe, what's their one thing you see missing? And you kind of alluded to it here in just some of the comments you just made. But what are we missing? You're missing depth. You're missing depth. Yeah. You're missing depth. You, you, depth. You're missing, you're missing a, a, a team that, you know, when Larkin's out, you notice it. When Bertuzzi's out, you notice it. You know, when the, you when there's the, – Tampa Bay has not been without Kucherov. For a majority of year, and they have a skip a beat. That's the difference between. That's where CVY is trying to get this team. He hasn't got there yet because they're still in the midst of a rebuild, but they're getting out of it. You can see that they're slowly getting out of it. They're starting to stack some talent on talent on talent, and there's been some disappointing players so far, like Zadina. You know, Zadina not making that that back check on a. On a player from Anaheim, and, and that goes in his own net. You know, that's something that a young player needs to learn. That you, you, that's what Dylan Larkin had to learn is you have to play two ways, or you won't win. And I don't think that's going to fly with Stevie Y. The the you, you're not going to be a one way forward. And I think that's the one thing that Verona, when he came here, that's one thing he embraces. They don't want you to just be a one way player. They want you to be a two way player. And that is the most important thing in hockey because if you look at all the teams in hockey that are consistently winning, you look at the Red Wings when they were in their heyday and they were winning championships and contending in the playoffs, every player from in the first and second line was totally two-way players. They played defense. They played offense. They got points. They scored. They played defense. Datsuk was a Lady Bing winner, a, a Selkie Trophy winner. That's a defensive player award for forward. I mean, it's just... That's what you have to do. And if you don't do that, then you really don't have a shot how to win championships in hockey. Well, I think Steve obviously knows very well how important it is to have multidimensional players. Uh, you know, it's a multidimensional game. That's why having multidimensional players is so important. Um, you have to be flexible. You have to be versatile. Versatility is really one of their the greatest strengths that a player in any sport can have um, because, you know, the... the these head coaches and uh, and circumstances will mandate that you have to be plug and play. You have to plug and play. You have to be have people that you that can deliver on a number of levels. So um, I think I think the Red Wings are still developing that as well. Um, with regards to Zadina, you know, and I said this at the end of last season, beginning of this season, I think he he has maxed out his capacity here. Um, I was hoping to give him another chance. You even said give him another chance. We see flashes of greatness. Yeah, that's true. But um, I'm just not so sure 
that he's delivering where they need him to deliver. I mean, what are they going to do? Send him back to Grand Rapids and, and, you know, have him, you know, be a star in Grand Rapids. So you have to try to keep bringing him up to the big club. And, and then he just, he just folds in on himself. I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself. Um, I think he's just that kind of a guy. And as a result, his performance is suffering. And he's, you know, one of these guys has a hard time getting out of his own headspace. So um, I think it may actually be better for both the organization and for Philip Zadina as a player to perhaps move on uh, from this, at least temporarily. I mean, maybe, you know, go somewhere, you know, it's like send him out to college and bring him back home. You know, maybe send him out there to get in a different environment where he can um, change the psychology a little bit. I don't know, but I just think it'll be probably best for both if at some point they move on. And I think Steve might be looking at that as well. Um, you, you just can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results and be considered sane. I mean, that's just not, that doesn't get it done. So um, I think there's a, a couple of bright spots, though, what we've seen with the struggles of the Red Wings. The bright spots, uh, I think Nadelkovich has proven that he's he's a starting goalie. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that he's actually giving us a chance yep. to – Gets you know get some more points up there on the board. So I mean, without that, without Ned, he's, he's taking so many shots too. Like, oh it's, my it's gosh! Incredible. You know when incredible you're player. when you're twenty one, you're twenty first in the league in shots against. I mean, you're really putting your goalie out to dry. I mean, the best teams, you know, they average around twenty, uh, twenty seven to twenty nine. Those are that's that's usually the good portion of how you play the game. When you're allowing thirty three a game. Averaging 33 a game, that's that's a lot of shots. And, you know, compared to the average team that, that's competing for, I mean, that's a four-shot difference, and the four-shot difference can be four goals. So that's that's the thing that I look at as in regards to the Rebels is they give up too many shots, and the reason they do that is because you really need a second line. That's, that's the reality yeah. of the situation because they – First line does a really good job. You see the drop-off. If you look at the stats, you look at how the time of possession, the puck management on the first line compared to the rest of the lines is night and day. It looks really, really bad. So that's getting a good second line is what's going to help the revenues going forward. I agree. And there's, you know, if you, you know, you look at, um, you know, speaking of differentials, my God, you know, here's the thing. The wings are giving up too many shots, and they're not making enough. And that's that's just and it's so obvious. They've got they're at a minus twenty four right now, and um, you know that's a it's a, a huge. You may may say, well, I have the Grand Canyon between them and then in the next team up the ladder, and I don't know exactly who it is right at the moment. I can't remember offhand, but it, it's the divide is wide. Let's put it that way. Uh, you've got your top four teams in the division. You got your bottom four teams, and albeit the Red Wings being at the top of the bottom four, um, there's a huge chasm between um, the the fourth and fifth place team in the division. So that has to be remedied because that says that this team isn't there yet. Yet, yeah. yet. Yeah. that's the key. The key word is yet, and I believe this team has the capacity and the ability to be a St. Louis Blues story. Yeah. They could turn this around after the Olympic break or after the All-Star break, and you could see them just get ignited because they've got the pieces to do yeah, it. They you, just have to make a you, couple you, of once changes. Once you get hot, you get hot. Yeah. And they haven't got hot yet, and they really need that second line to really 
propel things because then it really goes through the, the third and the fourth line. And that's that's what you need in a good hockey team. And I think that the Red Wings right now, they're just struggling because they really don't have that guy that, you know, they can lean on on the second line that you can go, okay, when Larkin and Bertuzzi and Raymond are off the ice, who's going to step up? Well, Verona is going to be the game changer there. Yeah. Verona is going to be the game changer. Now, that's what I think we have to look for. Yeah. That's what I think we have to look for. So when you say the missing piece, it could be as simple as Jacob Verona. Yeah. That's been the missing piece. And once you put that piece in play, it, could it change changes whole, everything. It could change it changes the whole dynamic. And yeah. We haven't seen this team fully healthy yet. That's the one thing that, that really disappoints me is because I think when this team is fully healthy, I think they can contend. I think they can contend, but they haven't been fully healthy. And this is not a deep team. This is not a, a Tampa Bay. This is not a Toronto. This is not a, a name a team that's deep. You know the Boston Bruins. Yeah, yet. they're not. They're deep. not deep. They're not, yet. they're not deep there yet. Yeah. And that's right. that's where Stevie's going. And that's why you got to trust the Ice Plan. And I do. And Stevie, we trust. In the next segment, we'll be talking about the Lions and the national media love affair that they have. So join us in that segment. See us then. This is Between the Whistles, Detroit.